and welcome to the latest installment of the IHS Markets Ferticon Fertilizer podcast series. I'm Mark Astley, editor of the weekly Ammonia Market Reports, and today we're joined by our principal ammonia analyst, Georgi Ilyasev, and consulting director at IHS Markets, Marina Simonova, to discuss the topic of green ammonia. We've always said that the future of green ammonia is uncertain. However, development is proceeding at a quick pace. The question is, has the picture become clearer? Do we know when the green ammonia market will become a reality? Hi, Mark. Yes, you are right. The development of carbon-free ammonia initiatives is happening quite rapidly. And uh, actually, every week uh, we hear about one or two new green or blue ammonia projects being announced. Uh, There's no doubt that ammonia will become an important part of the process of transitioning to cleaner energy. Uh, Japan is the first country where the decision to use ammonia as a hydrogen or energy carrier seems to have already been made. The country is working on technical solutions such as boilers and engines fueled by ammonia, fuel cell engines, logistics for transportation and storage of ammonia. Maritime shipping is another segment where there are many alternatives um, to using ammonia as a fuel as the IMOS emission reduction targets have been set so stringently that this segment will definitely require additional zero carbon fuel in, in massive quantities. Ammonia has many other possibilities of becoming a useful tool for renewable energy sources. It may be used for storing energy and uh, the form in which energy can be transported. In our preliminary forecast, we expect that carbon-free ammonia capacity may reach over 1 million tons and perhaps reaching 1.5 million tons by 2025 and approximately 5 million tons by 2030 and from 20 to 30 million tons by 2025, which means that about 10% of total ammonia demand uh, in 2035 may be met by carbon-free ammonia supply. Georgi, if you don't mind, I would like just uh, to add a little bit on the question of clarity today, where the markets are and whether we have a clear direction going forward. I personally think what is clear now is that uh, ammonia is becoming an integral part of a wider value chain, which is now being extended away just from ammonia being a central part of the fertilizer and agribusiness and food supply systems and shifting more towards a wider hydrogen and energy supply chain and it's becoming both ammonia and hydrogen are becoming quite a like a crucial link to realizing various ambitions for net zero carbon economies just wanted to add a couple of thoughts there thank you marina and thank you georgi the market for clean ammonia is developing fast but can we already say what the price of green ammonia will be or is it too early and are we at ihs market are we planning to include the price of green ammonia in our weekly reports anytime soon? Well, my view on, on this uh, issue is that we can uh, theoretically model the cost of uh, producing carbon-free ammonia. We know what the electricity demand is for electrolysis, and we can reasonably uh, speculate as to how advances in technology can reduce this energy consumption in the future. We know the costs of renewable energy, such as wind, solar, biomass, uh, and there are clear differences between regions due to a greater number of sunny days or stronger radiation for certain areas and constant winds and uh, what is more important, the overlap of solar and wind conditions, which provides a cheaper mix of renewable energy sources 
for green ammonia production. And so we can calculate the costs of producing green ammonia in the Middle East, North Africa, Australia, or Patagonia today in the future, as well as the shipping costs for shipping ammonia to Europe or Japan. There's still a significant gap between the costs of green and gray ammonia or green premium, which we can also estimate. Uh, we, we know the costs of capturing and storing carbon as this is an established practice, and hence the costs of blue ammonia can also be modeled. We, we have already published some of our estimates in Ammonia Outlook, and we consider publishing cost indices in our regular publication. In addition, uh, we have estimates of for the carbon costs of gray ammonia production, uh, which will certainly rise, narrowing the gap between green, blue, and gray ammonia costs. However, the trade of green or blue ammonia does not as of yet take place. And so we cannot even talk about the hypothetical price. We uh, intend on publishing cost indices, but we will not call this a price. There are still no strict rules according to which uh, exclusively carbon-free ammonia can be used for certain purposes. We believe that in the future there will be clear rules put in place defining what carbon-free ammonia is and uh, where only certified carbon-free ammonia can be used. As such a set of rules uh, does not exist, there is no reason for consumers to pay more for green ammonia than they currently pay for grey ammonia. I believe uh, that the publication of hypothetical quotes for green ammonia may be misleading because we have no confirmation from the demand side that any such price uh, would be accepted and acceptable by the consumers. Such a publication of uh, so-called green ammonia price could mislead investors and cause them to have uh, some unrealistic expectations. Yeah, th thanks, Georgi. Indeed, uh, we are getting so many questions about uh, the price of green and blue ammonia, so it's becoming uh, uh, quite a, a hot, uh, one of the most frequently asked questions from our, from our clients today. But I just actually wanted uh, to add a few words. Uh, what I think is also worth mentioning from a bigger picture, so to speak, is that I really find it exciting to monitor and assess how the value attributed to ammonia is evolving during this decarbonization and energy transition period. And this is really driven by new applications to use ammonia for bunkering in maritime transportation or ammonia as an energy carrier and hydrogen carrier that shift in value because traditionally when we think about ammonia and we look at ammonia it's ammonia brings that value of nitrogen uh, and now we're seeing that shift uh, ammonia generating and bringing the value of hydrogen in it um, and regarding the pricing side uh, just to, to add a little bit more to what you were saying earlier I think going forward uh, what we might see we might be in a situation of uh, a multi-tier pricing structure emerging, at least at the initial stages of establishing carbon-free ammonia market, until we reach a significantly larger upscale of the market, uh, when there might be more uh, price liquidity and price transparency. A and another point actually also that uh, we keep hearing emerging in our discussions is that we might also see some changes in the long-term contract structures of ammonia as well. Thank you, Georgi. Thank you, Marina. There's a lot of buzz surrounding green ammonia, but where does the uncertainty lie still? What's hampering the development of the green ammonia market today? Well, uh, I think we see huge interest in carbon-free ammonia production projects from the supply side, and not only uh, among existing ammonia fertilizer producers, but also energy, oil and gas companies, shipping companies, as well as investment funds are interested in carbon-free ammonia. They are not willing to wait for more regulatory clarity because they aim to be among the first suppliers so this would be premium commodity however uh, i don't know if marina agree with me but my impression is that we see less interest from the demand side so far compared with the interest from the supply side 
In Japan, yes, the Japanese energy segment understands the benefits of using ammonia as fuel. But this is the only uh, example of strong demand-side interest, in my opinion. There's a lot of talk about hydrogen energy and uh, hydrogen strategies in different countries. But in many of these uh, talks, ammonia is not mentioned at all. And consequently, there, there is no appropriate regulation in place. There is no clear definition of which types of ammonia are considered carbon-free. For example, are nuclear and hydro energy defined as green energy sources for green ammonia production? or Another example is enhanced oil recovery as an acceptable way to sequester CO2. What about a green and gray ammonia mixture? Will 50% green ammonia considered as, as a step forward in energy transition? Finally, who will be eligible to certify the green origins of ammonia? So my opinion is that the game has started, but the rules have not yet been established. I agree with you, Georgi. Indeed, you've raised uh, quite a lot of uh, uh, interesting dynamics there that uh, we all should be aware of. At the same time, there have been some announcements uh, in green ammonia space by the producers of ammonium nitrate and phosphate fertilizers. So it will be interesting to monitor how those would uh, uh, would develop. But overall, I fully agree that it's more driven, seems like it, uh, by the supply side. Uh, but I actually wanted to add a couple of things uh, on the last point that you were making uh, about the, the rules of the game. And I think although there is no level playing field at the moment and we know that there are various carbon credit schemes in the world and different approaches to the evolution of emission trading schemes. Uh, we expect that eventually these regulatory issues and discrepancies in carbon and environmental policies, they will be or they should be addressed. Uh, potentially, maybe some regions will take the lead uh, on those. But it appears that it would be in the interests of many parties uh, to have some universally or at least multi-regionally recognized standards to certification or accreditation, as you've quite rightly said, Georgi, which is one of the challenges today. But in, in general, I think it's speaking about the projects and the initiatives, it's amazing to see that virtually any announcements uh, that is put out there on green and blue ammonia uh, that uh, we look at often involves not just two parties, two companies, but sometimes there are up to 10 or a dozen parties involved jointly trying to find solutions in this very multidimensional sector. Um, and also what, the way we see it, it, it's a very rapidly evolving sector at, at the moment. And uh, that is why at IHS Market for our green ammonia analysis, we rely not only on our core ammonia expertise within Ferticon agribusiness and chemicals teams, but we also rely heavily on the insights from our colleagues in the hydrogen, energy, sustainability, renewables, or carbon or policy and maritime teams. And those are actually quite helpful for us to understand that comprehensive and uh, get a holistic view on how green ammonia market might evolve in the future. And then maybe just one last point to add is that I think we should not underestimate that uh, the evolution of regulatory frameworks related to energy, hydrogen and ammonia, and also development of environmental policies and carbon pricing in particular, the level of carbon pricing, they would play quite an important role in determining on the one hand the timeline of adoption and on the other hand also that the viability or feasibility of the large scale implementation of carbon neutral or carbon free ammonia. Thank you, Marina. We've heard a lot about energy applications for green ammonia, but what about the decarbonisation of the fertiliser industry? Actually, fertiliser producers are keen to get involved in the energy transition process. Ammonia production accounts for over 1% of total global CO2 emissions. And the question of making ammonia carbon-free therefore needs to be addressed. And all stakeholders expect fertilizer companies to work out a strategy and uh, set a timetable of steps to reduce or eliminate their carbon footprint. 
and actually, in fact, uh, industry leaders have already presented uh, their plans and intentions. However, uh, there's still some questions unresolved. And in my opinion, the central issue, uh, which hasn't been resolved uh, for, for the future, is urea. If ammonia production is completely decarbonized, there will be no CO2 for urea production. And in fact, urea emits CO2 when used as a fertilizer and should, should not be used as a pollutant unless it's so-called green urea, which may be produced using CO2 captured from air or biomass. Since urea represents a huge market and is a vital fertilizer for countries like China, India, USA and Brazil, it's currently not clear how we decarbonize the urea segment of the global fertilizer industry in the future. And just to add to uh, Georgi's thoughts here, I think what is clear now when we think about sustainable business models of the future in context of decarbonization, and particularly for the fertilizer sector, uh, there is now this additional level of complexity to understand the full life cycle analysis. And later, potentially, we might see more assessment of uh, the carbon intensity of fertilizer products, and they could be green ammonia could be a disruptor or an opportunity for the upscale of the phosphate fertilizer trade. And actually, some of these questions we are planning to address and we are discussing in our new green ammonia strategic study. Well thank you very much Georgi and thank you Marina for all of your insights. That's all from us today but I'm sure you'll be hearing from us again on green ammonia and don't forget you can subscribe to IHS Markets Ferticon podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Thank you all for listening and goodbye. Bye everyone. Bye.